0: For nearly two decades in Africa, the efforts to battle the spread of HIV AIDS, from condoms to abstinence campaigns, has had minimal impact. Now, a growing number of clinicians and policymakers in the region are looking at circumcision as the tool to fight AIDS prevention. A recent study published in The Lancet concluded that male circumcision significantly decreases the acquisition of HIV infection. The study was conducted in a part of Kenya where circumcision is not the local custom. You're listening to ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment focused on world health. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, and joining me today is Dr. Robert Bailey, Professor of Epidemiology at the University of Illinois, who conducted a study in Africa that concluded circumcision could reduce the risk of HIV infection. Dr. Bailey, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Larry. Good to be here.
0: Bob, can you tell us a little bit about the study and 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 how how you even came about thinking of it and how you even pulled it off? No pun intended.
1: Well, actually, a lot of people noticed that the patterns of HIV prevalence across Sub-Saharan Africa are highly variable, so that there are large segments of the continent where HIV prevalence is low and other countries and regions where the HIV prevalence is high. And those don't really make a lot of sense in terms of what we know about risk behaviors, about the virus itself and or about poverty and other factors that people often associate with HIV prevalence. So it was about in 1995 that people started to notice that actually when you look at those patterns, the countries with the lowest HIV prevalence are those where most men are circumcised and the countries with the highest prevalence are countries that don't practice traditional circumcision.
0: So what would be the mechanism of removing the foreskin that actually reduces the risk of HIV or is it something cultural that those parts of Africa practice versus the other parts and we're just associating it with them being circumcised?
1: Well, from a sort of biological mechanism perspective, We've done studies, actually, here in Chicago, where we've done immunohistochemistry of foreskin tissue, and what we find is that on the inner mucosal surface of the foreskin, there's very high densities of HIV target cells. These are CD4-positive T cells and Langerhans cells, or dendritic cells, which are the known target cells for HIV. And the outside of the foreskin, in contrast, these cells are there, they're present, but they're not close to the surface because there's a highly keratinized or cornified surface protecting, essentially serving as a barrier for those underlying target cells. When we actually preserve tissue uh, in explant culture and then introduced HIV to the inner mucosal surface of the foreskin, there was very rapid and vigorous uptake of HIV. We compared that to the outer surface of the foreskin and to cervical tissue. The outer surface of the foreskin, there was no uptake of HIV. and the cervical tissue, there was between one-sixth and one-ninth as much HIV taken up as in the intermucosal surface of the foreskin. So we think that that is a primary mechanism by which removing the foreskin actually then is serving a protective effect, because after circumcision, the little bit of foreskin that is left behind, there's generally about a 1 to one 1.5 centimeter part of the intermucosal surface of the foreskin left behind, and that rapidly keratinizes over a couple of months. Again, having this protective barrier.
0: Has anyone looked at just different hygienic practices in in taking someone who is not circumcised and just practicing good hygiene and cleaning that area vigorously?
1: No, no one has looked at that. There has been one study in South Africa that has tried to quantify sort of the uh, um, Hygiene of circumcised versus uncircumcised men, and found that uncircumcised men uh, have a more wetness and more uh, bacteria under the foreskin than circumcised men. And there is actually now a trial that's just beginning, the randomized trial where they're going to have men wipe, use wipes to wipe the penis before and after sex, and then have a control group and see then if hygiene improved hygiene does reduce HIV acquisition.
0: Bob, how were you able to walk into a tribe in Africa and uh, tell them that you want to circumcise them for a study? Did they say, you want us to do what?
1: (laughs) Yes. Well, I didn't just walk in and start uh, uh, cutting foreskins. Um, It was a long period of preparatory work. So, I had actually done a study in Uganda comparing the behavior of circumcised and uncircumcised men. And the head of the provincial medical office, essentially the head of all of medicine for the province in western Kenya where we worked, um, invited me to come because he had heard about the work in Uganda. And the, the Luo, who are the ethnic group that live in western Kenya, have three times higher rates of HIV than any other people in Kenya and all the other people of Kenya do practice circumcision. So they said, well, you know, we're all dying here, and we need anything that might help, you know, we're interested in, so please come and look into this. So we actually did four years of preparatory work, working with local people and clinicians, doing surveys, acceptability studies in preparation for eventually a randomized control trial that we conducted in that area.
0: Dr. Bailey, I assume there are are tribal cultures in Africa where circumcision is part of their custom at birth or as a rite of passage. So how do the transmission rates of HIV differ when you compare the culture that circumcises at birth to the one that does not? Is it just crazy, remarkably different?
1: Well, the traditional practices in Africa are highly variable. So primarily in West Africa, they practice infant and early childhood circumcision. In East and Southern Africa, where they do practice circumcision, it's a rite of passage to manhood. So it's generally done between the ages of eight and 18. And if you look at the patterns, there's no difference in the HIV prevalence in areas that practice circumcision at infancy and the areas that practice it as a rite of passage to manhood. So, I think it's just crucial that the man or the male gets circumcised before he begins sexual activity. We don't have any evidence that, you know, infant circumcision is more protective than adolescent circumcision.
0: Just have to get to them before they start having sex.
1: Yes, So that before they start getting exposed.
0: Obviously, it's a little easier to sell at birth.
1: Uh, well, actually, in East and Southern Africa, it's a very difficult sell uh-huh. um, for infant circumcision. They're not accustomed to it. They believe that the infant is very fragile. Also, the clinicians have no training and no experience with infant circumcision. So the preference in East and Southern Africa is... To, among non-traditionally circumcising ethnic groups is actually to sort of follow their close cousins and to do it at adolescence.
0: I've read that in Zambia, they're offering circumcisions for $3 at one of the university teaching hospitals, and the people taking advantage of it, are, uh, or the numbers are growing exponentially.
1: Yes, actually. In all the areas that don't traditionally circumcise, we're starting to introduce circumcision, and there are lines going around the block, actually. There's a Very large demand for the services, even in these societies that don't traditionally practice it. Zambia is one of those places, and actually that hospital is now, because the demand is so great, they've gotten funding and they're providing the services for free.
0: So if you could circumcise every adult male in Africa that's currently not circumcised, what kind of projections have you come up with that would really curb the transmission? What kind of numbers would you expect to see?
1: Well, we know from our trial and two other trials, all of which are very consistent, that the circumcision has a 60% protective effect against HIV acquisition in men. So if you calculate what's called the attributable risk, we could reduce HIV prevalence in these currently non-circumcising areas if we could circumcise just 80% of the men could reduce infections by about 60 to 65%.
0: Is that a relative risk reduction or is that an absolute risk reduction?
1: That's a relative risk, so that's circumcised men compared to uncircumcised men.
0: Has anyone calculated a number needed to treat to prevent uh, one case of AIDS? Do we need Yes,
1: so it depends of course on the prevalence of HIV in the population. So if you've got a lot of HIV in a population, you need to do fewer circumcisions in order to avert one infection. So for example, in South Africa, in a community near Johannesburg, where the HIV rates are 25% in males, it only takes three to four circumcisions to avert one infection. In an area where there's 8% prevalence, which is common in other areas, for example, in Zambia that you talked about, it's about 12%. There you would have to do about six or seven circumcisions to avert one infection.
0: Those are great numbers needed to treat. I mean, those are better than any drug I've ever heard of.
1: Well, think about the the actual cost effectiveness is Mm -hmm. huge because you're averting infections. Therefore, people are not going to have to be put on treatment. So that's that's a lifetime of treatment that uh, you're avoiding. And if a circumcision costs, well, in that area, $30, so you're spending $30 to save thousands of dollars. So actually, one calculation is that for every HIV infection averted, it costs about $550. I should add that there are many other benefits of circumcision. We know that syphilis is less frequent in circumcised men. Penile cancer, invasive penile cancer, is virtually unknown in circumcised men cervical cancer in the partners of circumcised men is much uh, lower.
0: Do you think that the HPV virus similarly is attracted to those cells that the HIV is attracted to?
1: Yeah, I don't think it's the same cells, but we do now know that circumcised men have lower frequency of HPV and of the invasive strains of HPV. So there's a multi-site study that was published in the New England Journal about three years ago from five sites around the world that showed that HPV was lower frequency in circumcised men. And now in the trials, uh, we've shown that HPV is less prevalent in circumcised men as well.
0: Dr. Robert Bailey, thank you very much for coming on the show. My pleasure. Good talking with you. My guest was Dr. Robert Bailey, a professor of epidemiology at the University of Illinois who conducted a study in Africa that concluded circumcision could dramatically reduce the risk of HIV infection. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, and you've been listening to a special segment focused on world health. Please visit our website at reachmd.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts. And thanks for listening.